It is so awesome to be back here. Uh, as you can see, that video was shot before we went, uh, before we moved to Kenya. And as I think you can see, we look a little different uh, than then. Our family has grown by one. Our youngest son, Atticus, Atticus Dale, as I call him by his first and last name always because he's perpetually in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I just think it flows really well. But he was born there. You okay? Look at that. Save. <clears throat> he has good knees. If that was me, I would um, So, yeah, it's great to be back here. People often ask how long we were there. I, I jokingly say after watching that video that we've been there about this long. Um, yeah, uh, I take the imitating Jesus thing really seriously. Um, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I just like to torment my wife, that's all. Uh, <laughs> so it's great to be back. Um, as many of you know, we've partnered with, or CMF in Turkana has partnered with East 10th Street for about 19 years. And so the legacy of your support of this ministry is, is not only beautiful, but it's also a legacy uh, worth remembering. And it's a, a legacy that lives on, and we're just glad to be the next piece of the continuation of your support in that ministry. It's been amazing to be a part of it, and amazing to be a part of um, such an um, experienced team. Um, so this morning, if you will, turn with me to start to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 20. It's a thought I want to go into um, our message this morning, keeping at the forefront of our minds. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 20. <clears throat> the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts and though its parts are are many, they form one body. For it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of sight be? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were... Well, I lost my place. It's okay. Back in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. 
as we continue this morning, we're going to be uh, reading from the book of James. That's going to be our home base if you want to turn with me to the book of James. Uh, But I want this thought to be at the forefront of our minds. We, each one of us who sits here this morning, are a part of the body. Let's pray as we begin. Father God, I want to invite your spirit into this place. Lord, you say where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of us. And so we welcome you, and God, we pray for your spirit to fill us. For those of us who've already received the Holy Spirit, we pray for a greater portion of our inheritance of the Spirit, God. Fill us that we may be stronger parts of your body. Lord, I pray over my notes that if, there are anything, if there's anything here that's not from you, that you'll take it away. Lord, we desire to hear from you. Lord, prepare our hearts that the seeds you have planned to plant this morning will find fertile soil. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're, we're going to be reading through James today. And I love the book of James. If I'm allowed to have a favorite, um, James is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. Let me set my phone up real quick so I know I put a timer on. Jason, you said I get two hours, right? <laughs> Perfect. Um, I like to start that so I know where I'm at. So Because, you know, I'm already hungry. So... Uh, <laughs> So James is one of my favorite books, and this is why. As we look at the the first verse of James, James starts, he starts his discord here. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Okay, he's greeting the church. One of the fun things about this verse, and one of the things... um, that I love about the book of James that you might not know is, let me ask you a question first, actually. How many of you have siblings? Anyone have a sibling? Yeah, 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 I've got seven. How many of you have that sibling? You know what I'm saying? You, that sibling, who the favorite, right? The one who never gets in trouble, the one. Let me just say for a second, if you don't think you have that sibling, it might be you. <laughs> All right, but here's, here's the thing. James, the James that we're reading from today, is the brother of Jesus, okay? How many of you wanted, would have wanted to be the brother of Jesus? Why can't you be more like Jesus, James, right? Okay, James, the brother of Jesus, is writing us this work, and this is the same James. Here's the deal. James, this James is talked about uh, about 11 times throughout Scripture, okay? He's mentioned in Matthew multiple times, the most notable of which is where Jesus comes to his, his place of home, and he has a disagreement with James, and James and multiple people in his family leave, saying they didn't believe who Jesus was. So the same James that we read about in Matthew 13, 5, who leaves Jesus not believing in who he was, now stands... And doesn't introduce himself even as a brother to, to Jesus. But instead he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
when we go into this book and we understand the transformation that's happened between the James we see in Matthew 13, 5, and the James we're now reading from in James 1, 1, I get excited. <laughs> James was the brother of Jesus. I think you could say that might have been difficult growing up that way. James, he's mentioned 11 times throughout scriptures. In Acts 15, it tells us that he's part, he's a leader in the Jerusalem council. So we know James is a well-known figure. James doesn't have to give a last name. They know who's talking. He continues, and he starts off his message to the churches, and he says this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Oh, that sounds nice. When you face trials of many kinds. Okay, you lost me, James. Right? Started with joy already in trials. He starts out swinging, right? James has a powerful message to the church in this book that he writes It's believed that this book was one of the earliest ones written. And so, in a lot of ways, what James is writing here, he's setting the tone for the growth of the church. He's setting the tone for the church going forward. He's saying, as you are beginning to believe, as you're beginning to live out this faith, this is what you need to know. And he starts out by saying, hey guys, consider it joy when you face trials. Because when you follow Jesus, you will. All right, let's keep going, James. What else do you have to say? He says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and not lacking anything. If any, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind, that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Okay, James, he's fighting again. If James is my brother, we might be exchanging fisticuffs, right? James just told me, as a brother in Christ, as a part of the body, he's telling me that if I ask for something and I don't truly believe that I will receive it, that I'm like a wave of the ocean, that I'm immature, and I'm a double-minded man. I'm getting convicted already by James. He goes on. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride of his high position. James, I think James is carrying on a a little bit of hurt from his relationship, the brother in humble circumstances. Jesus is the favorite. He's the humble one, so he should... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's not what he's saying here. Let's keep going. (laughs) But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. 
its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. All right, James. He starts out with trials of every kind. He starts out with, uh, with calling people who lack faith double-minded people. He starts out saying that we're going to face trials. I think James is trying to set the tone for what it should look like as the church continues forward. Expect these things, he says. Be the man, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because he has stood the test. He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted. Each one is tempted when, by his own evil desires, he's dragged away and enticed. When after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown, gives birth to death. I think this is a question that's faced the church many times, right? The question of why, if God loves us, why would he allow us to be tempted? Why would he allow these bad things to happen that seem like we, we couldn't possibly withstand them? And James is giving an answer here. He's saying, Hey, guess what? Those temptations, they don't come from God. They come from where? They come from us. They come from our own desires. I give this example all the time. I love it. Um, but the thing is, it's a lot like broccoli, okay? It's a lot like broccoli. Sin is a lot like broccoli. For Pete, who likes broccoli, first of all? Sinners. No, I'm just kidding. I, I like broccoli. No, who doesn't like broccoli? Right? So here's the thing about broccoli. Are you ever tempted to eat broccoli? No. Do you ever think to yourself, well, maybe I would like to try broccoli? No, because it, you don't desire it. Nothing within you wants broccoli, and so you would never try broccoli. All right? And so it is with sin is that the things that we fall into are there because we have a desire for it. Like Broccoli, if we truly don't desire the, th the temptations we fall into, we would have, there'd be, there would be no problem saying no to broccoli. And I'm not talking about broccoli. Let's keep going because James doesn't talk about broccoli. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Of the heavenly lights, who does not change the, uh, the shifting shadows, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And he continues, and this is, this is the part we really want to listen to. All right, James, through the next few verses, he's going to have one message for us. Okay, so if you fall asleep and you don't hear anything else, how many of us are sleeping already, right? If we fall asleep, if we don't miss 
Don't catch anything else. This is what James has to say to us this morning. He says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life of God that God desires. Therefore, rid yourself of moral filth and the evil that is prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And here it is. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. As we move forward this morning, I want to invite you to participate with me a little bit. And as we keep going, and as we hear from James, I'm going to point out a couple times where he's restating this fact in different ways. Okay? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, don't just listen, and I want you to say, do what it says. You tracking with me? All right. So let's try it. Don't just listen. Don't just listen. Don't just listen. As we go through this morning, we're going to look at three words that James is going to hit on. He's going to talk about listen. He's going to talk about acting. And he's going to talk about stopping. Okay? Don't just listen. Don't just listen. All right, you're with me. You're with me. I love it. Uh, So number one, we look at through verses 19 through 23, and he says, don't just listen, do... Nice. Listen, James says. James, believed to be uh, one of the oldest believers in this book, one of the first ones written to Christians, he reminds me, as we read this morning, of an old pastor who's been preaching to the same people for a very long time, and he's repeating the same message throughout his book, and he, he seems as though he might even have a little chip on his shoulder as he's talking to the church. As we already saw, he comes out swinging. He says, hey, number one thing that you need to know Expect trials. Number two, you need to know that you will be tempted, and guess what? It's your fault. It's your desires. And number three, he reminds us, all good things come from God. And then he says, listen. Don't just listen. Act. As we continue in chapter 2, James continues. He says, my brothers... As believers in our glorious, glorious Lord Jesus, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes to you, hey, Jesus, that chip on his shoulder again, right? Don't show favoritism, Mary. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. My brothers, as believers, don't show favoritism. Don't uh, suppose a man comes to you in Uh, into your meeting, wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the, the the fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, 
But you say to the poor man, you stand here, or you sit on the floor by, by my feet. Have you not, have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen you who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. It is not the rich who are, is it not the rich that are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him who you belong. If you really keep the royal law, don't just listen. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin. There's that broccoli you love so much. And are convicted convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Don't just listen. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you commit murder, have, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James, he's echoing the words of, of many who have gone before him as in Matthew 7, 2 through 5, where it talks about the measure that we judge others is the measure that we will be held accountable to. James, he's saying, he's saying, you've become lawbreakers. And you're going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Continues. What good is it, my brothers, if man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister without clothes and daily food, uh, if one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing for his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action is dead. James is saying it again. Don't just listen. Don't just listen. I'm convicted myself as I read James's words because I know there have been many times where someone has asked me for food and I've offered prayers, but I had the ability to give them food. I'm, I'm convicted because I know that there have been times where I've saw someone who needed clothes and I had clothes to give and instead I gave just prayers. James is saying, you might be the answer to that prayer. 
as you pray for those who you find in need, you might be that answer. Don't just listen. I love James. He's talking about faith. And there's an interesting thing about faith. You know, faith is, in the, in the English language, you could say that it's a verb, but it's a noun. It's really a noun. It's, it's a person, place, or thing that can be possessed, right? And there's, there's something weird about nouns, things, is that um, everything we own, every noun that we own has a purpose, right? We don't own a house and then not live in it, or at least have other people live in it, right? We don't, um, we don't buy a car and not drive it. You tracking with me? You tracking with me, right? And so what James is saying, right, is faith is a lot like those other objects. To own them but not act on it is worthless. And what I think about each day is the fact that we put a lot of faith in a lot of different items, a lot of different nouns in our lives, right? Every morning when we get up, we go into the bathroom, we get our toothbrush, we put what on it? Toothpaste and we brush our teeth. What we're doing there, right, we own toothpaste, it's a noun, and what we're doing is we have faith in that toothpaste, that it's going to do what it says it's going to do. You tracking with me? We have faith that when we brush our teeth, it's actually going to coat our teeth. It's going to take away the debris. It's going to protect our teeth. It's going to be good for our teeth. We have faith in toothpaste. We walked in this morning, and we saw many chairs, and we blindly, a lot of us, right, just walk in and sit down. The kind of blind faith that Jesus asks us for, right? We have faith in a lot of different things. And yet sometimes I find myself, after going to church, I leave and I don't practice what I've just heard, right? I leave and I've been asked to act on a faith in Jesus. And sometimes I wonder if I trust this chair or if I have more faith in this chair than I do in my faith. Are you tracking with me? Sometimes I wonder if we disassociate obedience and action upon what we read with our faith. As James is referring to, the kind of faith that says, I believe, but I won't do anything about it. If we have this chair or a car, and yet we never sit in it, what good is the chair? If we have a car and we never go out and turn the key and put faith that it will turn on, what good is the car? Like that, our faith is just a noun. That if we possess it and we don't act, James says, what good is it? Don't just listen. Don't just listen. So James, he continues. He starts out, and he asks us to listen. Then he continues on and he asks us to act. All right? Don't just listen, but? And lastly, as he wraps up this section of his letter to the church, he's going to ask us to stop. 
Let's see how he does this. Continue with me to chapter 3. Chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 18. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Remember what we read about the body this morning. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are very large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes many boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it, it uh, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men. Who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring. My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape vine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James, he just started swinging again. He's fighting, right? He, he just said, for all of us sitting here as we are believers and we set the example and he is giving us a message to say, as you go forward, these are the things to watch out for. This is what we should look like. And he says, hey, if you're just listening and you're not doing what it says, you might not be a fig tree, right? Does a fig tree bear olives? What James is saying is, if you see these signs in your life, you might not really be a Christian. This is what he's saying to the church. He's echoing again words of others. In Revelation, another one of Jesus' disciples gives a similar message in Revelation 3, 15 through 22 when he's talking to the church and he says, he says, I know your deeds and you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And he says to his church, he says to Jesus' church, John, in, in uh, verse 17, he says, you think you have everything and you know everything, but you are actually wretched, you're poor, you're pitiful, you're blind, and you're naked. 
I counsel you to buy clothes from me to cover your nakedness. Jesus, he continues in this, and he says, I'm knocking at the door. I'm outside, and I'm knocking at the door, and I want you to answer. The imagery here is, is beautiful and sad at the same time. The imagery of Jesus outside of a church door saying, hey, you think you're with me, but I'm out here. Oftentimes we hear this scripture in Revelation and we think it's talking to non-Christians saying, hey, I'm knocking at the door of your heart, let me in. But the, the verse never stops talking to the church. He's actually talking to the church, to those who are supposed to be living out uh, his mission and continuing the mission that he began. And he says, you think you're with me, but I'm out here. Jesus says it again in, in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, when he's asked the question about the end times, and he says, on that day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did I not cast out demons in your name? Did I not heal people and do miracles in your name? And do all of these great things. And he says, on that day, I will say to them, go from me, for I never knew you. James is echoing these men. He's issuing the same warning. He's saying, stop. Warning. You're going the wrong way. When you see these things in your life, if you're praising God in one moment and cursing man in the next, it's a warning sign. Stop. There's something you need to address. Don't just listen. Don't just listen. As we look at the imagery of the body and we imagine and maybe some of us have experienced this but we imagine the idea of we're walking down the road and all of a sudden all of a sudden one of our legs stops listening to the rest of the body right we're trying to go this way and all of a sudden the leg starts pulling us to the side as the body of Christ it's a lot like that we need every part of our body to be working together. To not just listen, but to listen, act, and stop. When we recognize the sin in our lives, it should be a warning sign to us of a place in our life where we're not saying yes to following Christ's example. James, he continues as he closes this section and he says it this way. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life. By deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. Don't just listen. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly and unspiritual and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every practice of evil. But wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy 
and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. James here, he's echoing Galatians, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, right? He's echoing John, where it says, if you love me, where Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. He says, if you are following Jesus, this is the kind of fruit we should see in our lives. So my challenge is, as we close today, as we listen to the words of James, and we, we prepare ourselves as we leave this place to not just listen, but to, this is my challenge. As we read this week, I want to challenge you to read, uh, read the Bible every day this week. I know that is a, a strong challenge. But as you read it, I want to challenge you, in each verse that you read, find one thing that you can obey. And as you leave the house that day, challenge yourself to not just listen, but to do what it says. And that could be a different thing every day as you read a different scripture. But to begin, as James begs from the church, to not just listen. That's my challenge as we close today. Read a scripture every morning and take one thing that you can practice that day and challenge yourself to not just listen. Let's pray. Father God, we love you because you loved us first. Lord, um, I pray that as we go today, uh, that our hearts would be changed. Lord, I pray that you incite in us an excitement and a, and a longing to, to do what your word says. To stop and ask ourselves as we're faced with opportunities to respond as you would respond. To love as you would love. To give as you would give. To be angry only where you would be angry. Lord, uh, as you convict my heart this morning... I pray that you will grow those seeds that were planted. As you uh, spoke to my heart this morning, I pray that, that it will not, uh, that I won't just listen, but it will call me to action. It's in your powerful and blessed name I pray. Amen.